from Byron, Mississippi. It's Lakeshore Church. And now we join Pastor Jay Frazier for today's message. I love my sermon title today. Why has America become so asinine? And my people who bear my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their evil ways. Then I will hear from heaven, forgive their sin, and heal their land. And then in, in Psalm 53, 1 and 2, we see this passage. It says this, The fool says in his heart there's no God. They are corrupt and they do vile deeds. There's no one who does good. God looks down from heaven on the human race to see if there is one who is wise and one who seeks God. And then in Psalm 9, verse 17, a very familiar verse that we often quote, it says, the wicked will return to Sheol, and that's another word for hell, and all the nations that forget God. If you remember in times past, I said you can't forget what you've never known. And there's a select group of countries in the history of the world that have actually known the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. This is not for all, it's just for a few, because it fits there. And then last, but certainly not least, is Proverbs 1, 7, and I'll say this again, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. Fools despise wisdom and discipline. May God add his blessings to his word. Let's pray. We thank you, Lord. Simply, God, today, my words to be yours. That's our desire. Thoughts lead us in the right direction. Most of all, all of us would walk in obedience. God, if there's ever been a day for the child of God to walk in obedience, it's today. So that as we walk in the, in the light, other people who need the light will see it in our life and be exposed to you. And God, would be careful to give you the praise and the glory for we ask it and pray it in Jesus' name. And all of God's people said, amen, amen. You may be seated. Thank you. You never have to use it. But if somebody thinks they're coming in my house and they're going to hurt the people that I love, it's going to be a sad day. And I hope I never have to. It will be with trembling hand. And see, but to think about all of us giving up all of our liberties, and there's a reason the founders put it in there, because they knew safety and protection are major issues in our society, and they still are today. But you don't take it away from all the abiding ones because of the few that don't want to abide back. I said it. But we get confused because all of a sudden politics gets involved in it, and we start going down a road, a policy that fits what we believe, what, where we want it to go instead of just common sense. Wow. Think about it. So life. Then I've got another one for you. It's a real deep word. It's called the love. If that didn't get me in enough trouble, here we go. It's not a social issue or a government issue. It's really a moral issue of love that comes down to individuals. <clears throat> See, it's the person, not politics. When I think about love, there are many issues that arrive, uh, that arise, several matters that are before us. First, I want to tell you that we've been on a crash course to a dead-end road in this deal of deteriorating and redefining the family unit. We're trying to be an all-inclusive, but I want to come back and remind you that it's a Genesis issue. I found this, and it's going to be off the beaten path a little bit. Nobody amended at the first service. They probably didn't even know what I was talking about. But I found this. I want to share it with you. In 1850, which seems like a long time ago, and it is, 70, listen, 75% of Americans that were older than 65 live with their relatives. 1990, 30 years ago, it was down to 18%. See, even in that regard, the family unit has is, is been evolving. You know, yeah, we got nursing homes. I'll tell you this, if you can't take care of them, that's where they ought to be so somebody can. 
and pick a good one because I've been in some bad ones. I think we're pretty well represented here in the Byram area and Clinton and other places. But let me tell you this. It shouldn't be just rid of. Sometimes the family unit, we want to be rid of somebody instead of extending the grace and love that we're supposed to. I think when you make those decisions, they ought to be the most tough decisions you make in life when those kind of changes come along. But out of convenience, it's not too difficult, it seems like, today. See, I don't want to get too deep, but listen to this. The family has changed. And I think this is a major issue in America. I debated I could just preach the whole sermon on this. Listen, I was reading, I found this. It says, today, too many Americans, males, spend the first 20 years of their life without a father and the next 15 without a spouse. I did a lot of reading that's not going to get into this sermon today. I was blown away about how the family has changed and single life is so much more and cohabitation is so much more and getting away from the biblical principles of marriage and what we're supposed to be and how that's defined in Genesis. We're getting further and further away from that. And then we're surprised because we're, we're becoming more lawless and more godless in our society. And really, common sense says it shouldn't surprise you. Hmm. And then another one that I've said often is we've divorced the divine. Listen to this. I've already mentioned 50 years is coming. But in two weeks, 60 years, there'll be another anniversary. June the 25th, 1962, the Supreme Court said and declared school-sponsored prayers and thus Bible reading to be unconstitutional. Let me ask you a question. How's that working out for us? Hmm. Proverbs 1.7, you saw it earlier, it says, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. I'm all about education. Leaders are Readers. I think somebody that's not further themselves and whatever, whether they're going to get a degree, whether it's in higher education or whatever, they're backing up. Whether it's in just seeing what's going on around us and educating ourselves, we're backing up. But I'll tell you something, when we begin to educate ourselves outside of the umbrella of the fear of the Almighty, we are in trouble. When man thinks we're on the equal plane with God Almighty, it's not going to end well for us. The more we push away and the more we divorce ourselves from the divine, the more godless we're going to become as a society. And it is happening before our very eyes today. Freedom of religion. <laughs> so many people, that stuff has been so twisted. I've already alluded to it, but freedom of religion doesn't mean what many say today. How you worship years ago before the 60s, I can show you this without any fear. Without any fear, I can show you. The founders did it. Even if they weren't believers in Jesus Christ, they understood. Some of them weren't, or a few weren't. But if they were not, it was founded on the Judeo principles of God, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And freedom of religion up until the 60s is not what freedom of religion is today. We began to embrace Eastern religions in the 60s. Then that brought on a whole new panorama. You know, Pandora's box was open on, on what freedom of religion means today. And now you can have every wacko you want to have, and we got to stand back and go, oh, no. There's nothing within us that says, that's not right. Listen, there's some people's religions that are whacked out, folks. Do you hear me? It don't add up. It don't add up. And yet today, oh, no, we can't say anything because of freedom of religion. And I'm just telling you, the context of the Constitution is not what's being portrayed today. We embrace those Eastern religions, and we've been paying a price ever since. The Scripture says in Mark 12, 30 and 31, it says, Love the Lord God with heart, soul, mind, and strength. And the second is to love your neighbors yourself. I love the last part of verse 31. It says, there is no other commandment greater than what? These. It didn't say loving God. Listen to me, church. You need to hear this. If we think we can love God with everything about us and hold animosity and attitude issues in our heart about someone else, we are fooling ourselves. 
See, these, these means loving God with everything about you goes together with loving others as yourself. You cannot have one without the other. Amen? Wish I was down on the floor where I could amen it. No greater commandment than these. Hmm. And how are they going to hear without a Bible? How are they going to hear without prayers? How are they going to hear in public arenas when it's been taken away? And we've been told to sit down and shut up and we don't have a, we don't have a say. And we become more paganistic every day and we wonder why we look that way. Hmm. One is said of the end times in Matthew 24 verse 12, because lawlessness will multiply, the love of many will grow cold. And yet today we're trying to gain moral ground and footing in immorality. It's not going to happen. Hmm. Yes, we are free moral beings. And God gave us a choice all the way back to the garden. It's a Genesis issue. He put a tree in the garden and said, don't eat of this tree. In the moment that you do, your eyes will be open. You'll understand good from evil, and we'll have a conscience, and we'll live in the sin like we have ever since. Listen to me very carefully. He made the statement. Today, he put choice before us. We are free moral beings, but if we're going to be what God wants us to be and bring glory and honor to him, we must operate in morality that pleases him. That's two. Got one more. Not only the life and the love, but I, I, this, is, this is really where I want just to stand today and what's going on because it will deal with where we are for sure. And I've entitled it The Lead. Who, who leads in our society? Who leads? This is not popular today because of all the things that have gone on. It's not popular today because women have had to take the place that God called the man to. This will not make me popular today. I'm going to offend both genders today because God has a place for a man in society, in the church, and for sure in the home. It's broken my heart to see women that have had to be both, single moms. He didn't, he didn't live up to the vows that he made. He said he loved her, slept with her, baby was conceived, and he was gone. That's one scenario. Couldn't handle the marriage thing over a while. It got too tough, so he hit the bricks. Breaks my heart. But you listen to me very carefully. We have an epidemic going on in our world that I believe a lot of the atrocities, many, many, the vast majority of the atrocities today that are going on, needless and senseless, senseless massacres and, and senseless killings that are going on can be applied to right here. I said, Preacher, what in the world are you talking about? You're going to talk about man's responsibility. Let me show you something. Why? I want to ask you a question first. Why are, why are men predominantly doing the killing. You ever thought about that? Since 1966 in America, there's been 196 killings where four people or more were killed. 196. I want to show you a graph today that I found in, uh, on the internet, and it gives credit for it down there so we can get away from any kind of legality of going out on Facebook, hopefully. But I want to, I want to break out some things for you. 196, I want to show you something first. These little, these, these, there were two here, one here, one here, one here. Five women have been involved in killings. But I want to show you something. I don't know if you can see this. You see right there above 30 in the house and, and, and online. You see right there where the number 30 is for the age of the shooter on the bottom? And if I'm seeing this right, in these killings, these shootings, that, late, that woman right there was the only one that did it by herself. The rest of them had men with them. 
So it really, when I saw this, I went, wow, because I was already thinking along those lines, it's always, it's always a guy, it's always a man. And I found out, listen to this, 40% of these right, right here, 40% of those were 18 to 29-year-olds. 33% of these massacres were 30 to 45. Uvalde, Texas, that's the one that lately was an 18-year-old. Parkland, Florida was a 19-year-old. Newtown, Connecticut was a 20-year-old. Virginia Tech University was a 23-year-old. And Columbine back in, I think it was April of 1999, was a 17- and an 18-year-old. Preacher, what are you saying? Could it be, folks, that this whole thing, some of this could be put in, a lot of it could be put in there from the standpoint of male and masculinity issues? I believe the pendulum of sexuality in our, in our country has totally warped and changed. I mean, there's sometimes you turn on the TV and wonder who they are. And yet we applaud it. It's a Genesis issue because it says in Genesis 1 that he created, or it says in Genesis he created male and female. Not a hundred of them. Hmm. It's wrong. The pendulum is swung. Once it was stay-home moms, and, and now if you have a stay-home mom, it's almost like she's some kind of negative on society. And I want to say, whether here or out there in Facebook land, that if you are privileged <laughs> to stay at home with your kids because your man is making enough for y'all to live, I want to celebrate you today. Amen? Have I lost you? See, people, I, I don't understand where this is going. I do believe it's this simple, folks. When four out of ten are being born to families and daddy's not at the house, to me, that's an epidemic in America. Four out of ten might not mean much to you, but try this one on. How about 400,000 out of a million homes? How about 400,000 ch children that don't have a daddy at the house? At least one in the home doesn't have a dad. And let me tell you something, just so that you're, before you pass it off on another gender, another race, or another economic status, that's all of it. That's all of us together in America, four out of ten. Not making this stuff up. I'm not adding to it. I'm not making a preacher story. It's fact. And we wonder why individuals who have not had a strong male figure in their life, I read the story, some of these fit. We wonder why these kind of things happen. Let me tell you something, there are some things that God didn't design for Suzanne Frazier to do with her kids. Amen. There's a place for daddy at the house. My kids have never, not in 26 plus years, have they one time said, please don't tell mama. But I don't know how many times they told Suzanne not to tell daddy. And I grew up with two daddies. I grew up from a divorced home. So I can speak to this. But my stepdaddy, somehow or another, he could undo his belt. And he could pull it off with one hand. And he always caught the backside of it with the same hand while he had me by the neck. And he began to put the blessed assurance on me. And what I'm saying, there's something wrong when we're asking mama to do what God called man to do. Amen? There's something wrong in our world when people think they can lay down with her but not stand with her after the baby comes along. There's something wrong with that picture. And we wonder why our world is going to hell in the handbasket. I can tell you why. Because man has not been what he's supposed to be. And I'm showing you that. It's here. And I don't believe this is coincidental at all. At all. And maybe they're even there, but they're deadbeat. They're not involved and they need to be. And I'll tell you this, not in my notes, but in Ephesians 4, it says, and ye fathers, 
provoke not your children to wrath, but bring them up in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. And I would encourage every daddy here, I don't know where you are in your journey. You might say, Brother Jay, they're out of the house. I'm not responsible anymore. Yes, you are. Because they're going to call you. You better be prayed up. They're going to ask an opinion. You better be prayed up. If they are in the house, please lead them. Amen. And my heart goes out to any woman that's having to wear the pants that God intended for a man to live, to, 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 lead, to wear. Let me tell you this. But that'd be a great Father's Day sermon, but I tricked you. I gave it to you a week early. <laughs> I believe, and I believe it's not coincidental. I believe the enemy's behind it. But I believe today masculinity has been a target for decades. It's almost like you have to apologize to somebody for being masculine. <laughs> to establish and to, to, to define the place for a man and a woman is viewed as sexist or arrogant or phobic or even unloving. I'll tell you this. Listen to me very carefully. We all have a place. Amen? Mama has a place. The wife has a place. The man has, the play, has a place. The husband has a place. The father has a place. And now what do we have? Listen to this now. <laughs> I don't even know how to process this, some of this stuff. Now, gender identity is being left to the, to the individual. Now, I'm going to tell you something. If you think you could help me with that, please come see me. Remember me talking about common sense? Common sense. Now, I don't want to save myself, get myself in trouble. Most of the kids, I hope, went out June church. Let me tell you something. In the garden, before sin, Adam knew what the woman looked like. And Eve knew what the man looked like. Man's the one that's messed this stuff up. Not God. God made me this way. You know what I call that? Asinine. Sorry. What else word do I have? Well, Brother Jay, you don't know this and you don't know that. Well, what, what is the knowledge? Is the knowledge what man created or are we going to stand what God created? Is it what we've twisted and turned and viewed and researched come up with or is it going to be what God has done? Huh. And see, it could be, as I always say, what, what came first, the forest or the trees? It takes a bunch of trees to make the forest, but then we look at the forest and we're trying to adapt. <laughs> you with me? I maybe said too much right there. Let me wind down. So what are we to do? All right, Brother Jay, you put it out there. You told us about the life, the love, the leave. What are, what are all these atrocities, what are we supposed to do? And I think it's a very simple thing. So here's the question. Are we to stand up, stand down, or stand up? I really believe. You know what's noticeably absent to me? I watch a good many preachers on TV. And one fellow said, terribly, I are one in a smaller scale. But where's the person standing? Where's the person who has the platform standing? And you know what I find? They're not there. Is it because we're scared that somebody's going to throw bricks at our house and somebody's going to show up? I don't know. But where are we? Where are we, church, when it comes to standing? If you want to see just, just that kind of impact, then you see it. You see this scare-you-to-death kind of tactics. But are we supposed to stand down? I don't know if you're familiar with that phrase, but that's used a lot of times in the military. when they Are we supposed to go take the hill? And they say, no, stand down. Are we supposed to show force? No, stand down. And I think today, I don't want you to hear me say, I don't want you to misrepresent what I say. There's not one part of me tells you to stand down. I think God's called us to stand up. <laughs> I really do. I think we have the problems we do in our world because we haven't stood. 
And the word of God's very plain with that. Is there sometimes I don't want to get involved? Yes. There's sometimes I can see it coming. I say, I don't want to put up with this. I don't want to deal with this conversation because it's not going to end well because I'm going to stand on the word and there's people that'd rather stand on social stuff than to stand on God's word. We stand up or do we stand down? Listen to this. Do we speak up or do we shut up? We have to decide. We're living in a day and age where we have to decide those kind of things. It's coming, folks, if it's not already here. Got to do that. But I want to give you an answer. I'll give you an answer. Really, the only hope we have in our life is the Word of God. I get confused sometimes. Um, this comes to mind. It's not in my notes. But this past week, I had two or three conversations with people that are going through things much bigger than they are. And one of my hurts as a pastor, you just want to have the right thing to say every time. But I had two specific conversations with people this week. One's in this church this morning where I wish I had the words to help them. But it's so much bigger than they are. And you just got to trust the Lord. Another one's affiliated with our church and they're going through, their family's going through something I couldn't imagine. We're going to stand. I'm going to stand on the word. Today, we've heard it so much, it's almost like we got to go have something new. we got to go find out the, the newest glitch, the newest gimmick, the newest thing. Somebody's going to help us stand. Really, we need to stand on God's word. And I promise you this, it might not make me popular, but i got nothing else to stand on but the word. I share this just the, the first service. I'm going to abbreviate it a little bit, but many of you, most of you know that January the 8th changed our life forever. Zane's here, and we celebrate that, and... But January the 8th changed us forever. Um, since that time to now, I don't even like to say what I'm going to tell you, but the Word of God has been dry. dry. It's been dry. I've said in this very pulpit, I, I said I struggle with praying. I, my prayer life is a great discipline in my life, but man, reading God's Word's always been easy. <laughs> well, it's not so the last months. Say, give me a right not to read it. No. I, I'm trusting God. Do we have a different life? Yeah. But I'm trusting him. And that's my encouragement to you. If you look around. You know what I've found? A lot of times people fight and they come up with this stand and that stand. And yet I want to I guide you as a pastor and as a person. I want to guide you. Make sure your stand lines up with God's word. Because the word tells us when it's all said and done. What's going to be left standing is God's word. And I want to encourage you to do that. I also, for the first time in my life, understand what people would tell me that, that I don't understand. It's dry. I said one of the greatest miracles is sermon development. <laughs> I almost feel guilty because I sit down and do sermon and God just gives it to me. Maybe he knows where I am. That's probably what it is. But as far as me opening the word today, what I've always treasured, it's as dry as leather. And I don't even like telling you that. It's got to be because of where we've been. But that's all I got, folks. All I got is the Word. And I just want to encourage you, if your life is, if you're going through it, how's the Word? See, right now I'm banking on it. And I'll tell you this, and it was even better than what I said in the first service, but somebody came up to me after the service and said, but Brother Jay, it's your Word that you had already hid in your heart that will see you through this season of life. You might not ever go through what we're going through and have been through. Maybe you're going through worse. 
You know what's going to see us through? The Word of God. And people have made that so frivolous. We'd rather listen to a political pundit on a TV program than to saturate ourselves with the Word. We'd rather know what's going on with a crazy actor or actress that's fruitcake city than to spend time in God's Word. Are, are, we hit, are, are we hitting home yet? You know what's going to see us through? The lamp. Thy word have I hid in my heart that I might not sin against thee. Huh. Thy word is a lamp unto my feet <laughs> and a light unto my path. The word. So I want to pray over us today because America is in a mess. You know what's the difference going to be? Where you live, where you work, where you reside, who you bump into, whatever. For them to see the light of God in your life. You have that light in your life, the relationship with him. I hope everybody here has it. But we keep that life trimmed and burning by the word of God. It's a lamp unto our feet, a light unto our path. If you need direction, here's a thought. See what the word says about it. Begin to embrace that. Allow God to do what he wants to do. Would you remain seated right where you are? Would you just bow your head? I want to pray over us today. Thank you for joining through Facebook and other means today, but also the ones that are here. I just want to pray over us. Would it break our heart when we see a, a nation that God allowed us to be? <laughs> And the blessings we have, God help me to stand. Preacher, I don't know what to do. Get in the book. Get in the book. And God will lead, God and direct. Lord, as we see everything going on around us, Lord, I thank you for what we can have within us. When we see all the craziness, I'm thankful for a calmness and a peace that we can have within our own being. And I pray, God, that... Uh, if our joy has left, that, Lord, that you would uh, renew that joy within us. And if peace is harmed and hampered, I, I pray for that peace that passes all understanding today. And we look around, God, and we feel like we're just in a mess. We're just in it. We can't separate ourselves from it. Lord, will we be reminded to come out from among them and be separate and touch not the unclean thing? You've called us to be different in this crazy world that we live in. And I believe that's at home. I believe that's on the job. I believe that's in the neighborhood. That's in the community. I believe that's also for the church. And God, I think we would affect those for you the right way. Lord, I thank you today. May we just, Lord, plant seeds today within people's hearts and, and you bring it to fruition. That God, we're supposed to be different. We can't get caught up in all the things going on around us. As I said earlier, Lord, in this prayer, it's about what's going on within us that matters the most. So bless God, and we do pray for America today. Lord, you command us to pray for our leaders. God, I pray for them. Lord, I, I look forward to one getting the mic and saying, I, I know all this I've done, but I won't tell you what happened to me. God got a hold of my heart. Lord, wouldn't that be tremendous? God, help us to pray in unison. and Lord, continue to do the disciplines that we're supposed to do. 
Lord, so that you can use us in the capacities that you want to. And God, we'll be careful to give you the praise and the glory for all that you've done. And I thank you for today. For we ask it and pray it in Jesus' name. And all of God's people said, amen and amen. You're dismissed. Have a wonderful day in the Lord.